1 Samuel 17, verse 40. Let's start at verse 40. So then he, King David, or David, took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones, say stone, from the brook, and put them in a shepherd's bag, in a pouch with he which he had. And a sling, say a sling, was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. Now let's jump down to verse 45. David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will live and deliver you into my hand. I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly will know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. Verse 48, so it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to David, David quickly ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone. He slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank, the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face. Then David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore, David, last verse, ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of his sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Will you stand with me real quick? Come on. Let's stand up and let's posture our hearts to hear what God's saying to our body, to us individually and to his bride. Amen. Father, we thank you that you're raising up champions in the earth, that Lord, as we are surrendering our hearts to you, you are raising up the spirit of David in the earth, God, the spirit, this type and shadow of the Messiah, this prophet, priest and king within your body, God, that you're raising up prophetic warriors. You're raising up people of authority, Lord. You're raising up people to deliver a new sound, God. You're raising up people, Father God, that are going to uh, turn the tides and cause revolution of the hearts, Lord. And so we say yes to your word this morning. I pray this morning, God, right now that something would happen and define destiny in people's hearts and lives as they open up to your word in Jesus' name. I want you to just lift your hands with me and say, Holy Spirit, I surrender. Speak to me today through your word, by your spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Give God a shout. Come on, would you just give God a shout? Jesus, we love you. We bless you. Amen. This morning, I want to talk to you about a staff, a sling, and a stone. It's interesting that, um, that David did not use the weapons that most soldiers used in this great battle. God rose, he, he, he raised up a young man, one that was not likely to be the champion, and he said, this is the one that has a heart after me, and this is the one I'm going to use to show you who I want to be king. 
God was ushering, in essence, God was ushering in the government that he wanted. David was a type of and a shadow of Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah. David was a type of prophet, priest, and king. He was a type of Jesus. And right now we are living in a time. Last week we talked about how God is raising up David's and he's exposing the Saul wineskin. And we need to see how the house of David is getting stronger and stronger. What does this mean? This means that things that we've clinged to, things that we've held on to that are not God's government, God's culture, kingdom culture, there's a shift taking place where we as the bride of Christ are going to awaken to what he's doing, what he's saying. And there's, there's this great love of worship. There's this great love of hearing his voice that will be awakened in the people of God in this hour. And it will cause us to become the champions that God is raising up. Not with sword or spear. Not with, not with political power. Not with uh, bringing God's government. Listen, heaven is not trying to control your life. The kingdom of heaven is not trying to control your life. It wants you to love Jesus. The, the heart of the Father is not trying to get you to be a robot. The heart of the Father is trying to get you to be a son and a daughter. And I think that we, we get confused with earthly government and heaven's government in the church. We think the church is the kingdom, and it's not. The church advances the kingdom. But the kingdom is His rule and reign. But the governmental system of heaven and God's government and the structure of the church is not the same as the kingdom of heaven. God ushers in His kingdom through hearts of men and women through His manifest glory and presence. And today, God is wanting us to awaken to what His government looks like. This is one of the most famous stories in the Bible. And I want to I just break down to you what I believe some of these things could mean that David did not kill with the, with the sword or the spear. He killed with, he, God used him to, to take down this enemy, to take down this obstacle with a staff, a sling, and a stone. See, last week we looked at how God wants us to get rid of Saul's armor. It doesn't fit. It's not, it's not the way that, that we were created to walk in power. We're not created to walk in power by just memorizing Scripture and, and, and having a Christian bumper sticker. But God wants to manifest His very presence through our lives, through our relationship with Him. God wants to, uh, He wants us to get rid of the Saul armor. I really encourage you to listen to the message last week because we looked at some differences between Saul and David. And many times we're thinking that God is exposing this Saul mindset in the church, but really he's trying to expose it in you and I. So this David, this champion, this warrior spirit, the spirit of God within us can raise up and release heaven's victory and government in the earth. This is so important that we get this. The staff represents the authority of God in your life. The staff represents your identity in him. You know, it's interesting that David was just a little shepherd boy. But he comes to this battle with the staff. All his brothers were more equipped. All his brothers were more likely to fight the Philistine. And he comes with the shepherd staff. There's something that we got to get from this that it's that. It's we got to get rid of the armor. There's a new way. It's not by the sword. We're living in an hour and a day where this, this heart of a shepherd, you know, Jesus was the good shepherd. He taught as one having authority, but he, he, he walked in power and he walked in love. He was never intimidated by the Pharisees, ever. 
there's a spirit of intimidation that is trying to affect the body of Christ, his people, his bride, with that Saul man-pleasing spirit. But there's this undergirding of a shepherd's heart of the spirit of love. And there's a staff in the hand of his Davids in the earth today. And this is a staff of authority, but it's a staff of great love. It's a heart that the Father actually gives us his eyes and we can see people the way that they really are, the way they are before God. David was young. He was too young. The Bible says, don't let anyone despise your youth. I had to live this as a young pastor, as a young leader. The enemy would try to always tell me, you're too young. You haven't even been to Bible college. And God says, I'm raising up Davids in the earth. I'm raising up the ones that are unexpected. So when the enemy comes in and tries to whisper in your ear, you're not equipped, you're not trained, you just surrender your heart to the Lord and say, Lord, I thank you, you're raising up Davids in the earth. You're raising up the ones that are not expected to be champions. He's just looking for yielded hearts, saints. He's not looking for for an army that has all the degrees that they need to accomplish this thing. He's not looking for you to have all this experience even in the battlefield. He's looking for you to surrender to his victory. He is victorious. God raise up the Davids in the earth. The staff represents the way we need to lean on his authority. It's not by might or power. What does the scripture say? It is by my spirit, says the Lord. Jesus said in John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you. See, Davids are not self-appointed. They're appointed by God. Davids don't promote themselves. Only Saul's do. When you're chosen by God, you will not promote yourself, but you will be appointed and promoted by heaven. You won't need to promote yourself. You won't need to build an image of of yourself like Saul did. Jesus said, I chose you. I ordained you. There was a time in my life as a young man, I said, Lord, am I called to ministry? I don't know. Am I really called to this thing? I was probably 20 years old. And I had encountered the Lord. I got saved when I was 17 and I was walking with God. And I said, but I'm just a janitor in a gym cleaning up people's sweat and urine. Literally, that's what I did for a living. It was great. And it was like $4 an hour. So you young people that make 10 bucks an hour, don't complain. And I did that for a year too. held the same job until God promoted me. Until God gave me another job. I'm looking at some of the young people. I said, God, have you really called me? And then I'm driving in this car that didn't have air conditioning and broke down. I can only do 35 miles an hour on the freeway and I still tithe. Hallelujah. And I'm driving and I see this picture. I don't close my eyes because I'm driving. Don't close your eyes when you're driving and praying. Learn to pray with your eyes open. Amen. That's wisdom. And I'm driving and I see this picture of Jesus anointing me in heaven saying, I ordained you. I appointed you. I chose you. Literally, he was anointing me and pouring oil over my head saying, I have anointed you. I have ordained you. Listen, you have to hear that David spending time with the Lord. He knew something in his heart burned for God. He had a relationship with God, but he did not appoint himself or promote himself. David's never promote themselves. Isaiah 16, 5, the only, there's only three times that the Bible talks about the tabernacle of David other than when the actual tabernacle of David, and those of you that know what that is, when he had the Ark of the Covenant and, and actually changed the whole paradigm of the way people would worship and fellowship with God. And he raised up all these Levites, all these worshipers, all these priests that would come into the holy place and they'd worship with instruments and sounds. 
And God is raising up a new sound in the earth. But there's three times that the Bible talks about the tabernacle of David. It prophesies it in Amos 9 that God will restore it. Then it's quoted in Acts 14 when in, in, in speaking of all the people of the earth coming to Jesus. All the people of the earth coming to the light of God. And in, in Isaiah 16.5 is the only other time. And I want to quote it to you. It says, in mercy, the throne will be established. And one will sit on it in truth in the tabernacle of David, judging and seeking justice and righteousness. In the message translation, it says, a new government of love will be established in the venerable tradition of David. Listen, what is this talking about? This is talking about the authority of heaven, this staff of a shepherd that we are supposed to walk in as the bride of Christ. It is not a government of trying to get people to obey a law. It's a government of love. We were talking about parenting our kids yesterday. And the Lord began to just show me as we're sitting here talking, many times what we do is we try to make good choices for our kids to teach them instead of teach them to make good choices. And the government of heaven will never make choices for us. It will only teach us by love how to make good choices. And the new government of love that God is raising up in the earth is one of authority, but it's one of love. It's one of justice, but it's one of great mercy. So David is walking onto this battlefield with the shepherd's staff. And we know the story that the Philistine mocks him. Am I a dog? What are you doing coming to me with a stick? And the enemy will mock the church for being loving and loving recklessly. But guess what we have to do? Just keep loving. Guess what we do when when people throw stones at us, so to speak, and persecute us? We just keep loving them. Why are you forgiving these people that hurt you? See, one of the traps of the enemy is if he can get us to stay mad at people for hurting us, he will hinder our harmony with heaven, which will in essence rob us of the authority that God wants to manifest through our life. I can show you that in Scripture, in Matthew 16, in Matthew 18. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound. Many people are trying to bind and loose, but their heart is not in harmony with heaven because their heart is not in harmony with people. They're still retaining. They're still harboring unforgiveness. They're still harboring offense. They're still mad at the world. They still look down on unbelievers. Instead of with this staff of a shepherd, this authority of heaven, we will not reach the world with the tabernacle of David, this new government that God is establishing if we don't understand reckless love. I'm telling you, it is the song that the bride, that God wants the bride to sing. A song of reckless love. It's a new message, a new authority of love, a new way. It's not by sword. Second Sam, or 1 Samuel 17, listen, it says this in 44 and 45. And the Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. We have to start coming in the name of the Lord of hosts, not in our own authority, not in our own power, but with this this staff that God puts in our hand. Many times in Scripture, the staff represents authority. You remember when Moses and, and Joshua were fighting the battle. Actually, Joshua had the sword, but Moses had the staff. And when Moses would hold up the staff, Joshua did better with the sword. The staff represents authority. Number two, the sling. What does the sling represent? It's interesting that this weapon 
was not very common when, when, uh, in this type of battle. There's other times that it's mentioned in the scripture, but David was ushering in a new warfare. David was ushering in through his heart of worship, a new sound. The sound of the sling spinning in the air. Now, this sling that would you'd put a, a rock in it or a stone in it, it was not a pebble. It was about the size of a golf ball um, or the size of a like a, a tennis ball. It was a huge stone that would be hurled. It actually could go twice the distance of an archer, of a bow. Twice the distance, about 400 plus yards. This was a secret weapon that God used King David, this young shepherd boy, to usher back into the warfare of his people. This is so good because if we understand the new sound that God is releasing, God is releasing a new sound through his, his people. It's a sound through our worship. It's a sound through the way we pray. We should not pray with yesterday's sound. We should not preach with yesterday's message. God is wanting us to usher in more than a message and more than a song, a sound within us that brings substance of his rule and reign. I think about three of you are feeling me right now, but if you get this, that God is wanting you to get rid of your old habits in prayer, where you want to fill in all the gaps of your prayer with Father God, Lord God, Lord God, Father God. Start ushering in from the depths of your heart. Don't worry about gaps of time where you're not praying. Don't worry about the times when he can actually speak to you. But God is wanting to usher in a new sound, a prophetic sound through your worship and through your message, through your life. It's not the same old sermon. It's not the same old song and dance. It's not a church dog and pony show. It's a sound that will release power to break chains and heal orphan hearts. I'm telling you, David is arising. There's a sling in the hand of the bride right now. And God is wanting us to remove the obstacles with the new warfare. It's a staff of love, but it's also with great authority and power, but it's also with this sling, this new warfare, this new weapon, this new sound that God is releasing. It's a new fragrance. Every time that we come in the presence of the Lord, I prayed it earlier, it's like a new fragrance. Have you ever just, you know, long for God's presence and then you come into prayer, you come into service, and it's like, Wow, it's like I've never been here before. Every time God walks in the room, it's like there's something more beautiful just, you know, that that is displayed about the heart of God. Like each time is a first time. You remember those of you that are married when you're falling in love with your spouse and you just, you would hold her hand in the car and it was like those butterflies just, oh, I'm just so in love with you. I'm so in love with you. That first date, you, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? All the married... All the single people, just plug your ears for a minute because I don't want you to stumble and think you need somebody right now when God might be wanting you to be into a season of love relationship with him. Come on, somebody. Jesus is my husband. Even you, men, you're the bride, the bride of Christ. But you remember that? You remember that the first time. See that in in God's presence, in every encounter, it's like a new fragrance. It's like a new sound. It's like every time he speaks to us, it's like the first time I ever heard his voice. There's life in it. There's power in it. There's, there's prophetic. There's new, something new. Say new. With God, there's always newness because he is, he is a, a creative being. It's who he is. When he speaks, there's creative power released. And so God wants his bride to release a new fragrance of worship. That I want to manifest a fragrance of heaven. Listen, the Bible talks about this in 2 Corinthians. The manifest, the fragrance, the triumph that we have in Christ. It is a fragrance of victory. 
I'm telling you the new sound, the sound of this sling spinning around. It was a sound of victory that God was accomplishing through his David. It's a sound that will cause the most bitter atheist to awaken to Papa God's love. I cannot wait to see the most bitter militant atheists, the people that have just, they're just mad at God because somebody heard him, something along the way, something happened. The sound that God wants to release through his church is going to be a sound that will cause those hearts to melt, those stony hearts to just crumble in the presence of God. It's, it's a sound where we actually believe what we preach and preach what we believe. It's a sound where we actually believe what we sing and sing what we believe from our hearts. It's a sound where we actually believe what we're praying. And we pray what we believe. You know the difference between somebody who has substance to their words and someone who doesn't is someone who actually, it comes from their heart and and it comes from a place of confidence and faith that I actually believe what I'm saying. When I actually believe what I preach and preach what I believe, it will release a new sound and it will bring a new fragrance and a demonstration of power released, his government released in the earth. Listen, there's a new type of warrior arising right now. David was a new warrior. He was a, a round one knockout warrior. He was not a 12 round bout warrior. Despite his character flaws, Mike Tyson was a round one knockout warrior. I want to start seeing some Mike Tysons despite the character flaws. Amen. I want to start. See, he was the youngest at the age of 20 to take title of the heavyweight as the heavyweight champion, 20 years old. And he had 24 victories that only la- that on- did not go past the first round. His quickest knockout was in the Junior Olympics, eight seconds. That's probably how long it took David to take this Philistine down. <laughs> Boom, sunk in his forehead. Bam, face down to the ground. Where are the Mike Tysons? Come on. Where are the one, the round one? Forget the 12 round. We, see, we look at situations and we look at, well, what God can do in a 12 round idea thinking, well, we have to do this and we have to do this. When God says, no, I want you to take them out with a new weapon. I want you to take them out with a new sound. Put your sword down and pick up a staff. Put your javelin down and pick up a sling because I'm going to give you a stone and I'm going ha- to cause you to bring a new sound in the earth that will take the enemy down, that will take the obstacle down. Jesus sent out the disciples in Luke chapter 10 and they're casting out demons, walking in his authority only because they're submitted to authority. And he comes back, they come back and they're like, man, the demons were shut to us in your name. It was just great. We were like, devil, go. And they would go. Oh, it was so awesome. And Jesus said, don't rejoice in that. That's good. But rejoice that your names are written in heaven. By the way, when you were doing that, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. It wasn't Satan like getting thrown out of heaven and then going back and fighting and then getting thrown out and getting hit to the ground then getting knocked back up. He went from heaven to earth in a flash. It didn't last 12 rounds. The disciples didn't need to fast and pray to get more authority. Hello? I'm, I'm touching on a little a Christian sacred cow. Well, doesn't the Bible say that Jesus, he said, some don't come out by prayer and fasting. Fasting is not in the original Greek. Get a new translation. Study it deeply. The enemy wants us to think that fasting postures my heart. Fasting can help us. 
But fasting doesn't get me to walk in more power. See, if you understand that there is so much power released when we're just yielded to God, all we have to do is surrender to God. Jesus said in Luke 10, he saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. When he sent him out in verse 19 of Luke chapter 10, he said, Disciples, behold, I give you authority and power to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. This was even before Calvary. He gave him this authority. This is before he went to the cross. He gave him this authority. And he, and he rose and he ascended and he sat on the throne next to the Father. He gave him this authority. How much more authority do we have now being identified with his death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and session? Hello. We have a sling in our hand. There's a new sound. God, raise up the Davids to release this new sound. There's a new warrior arising. It's a round one knockout warrior. Come on. I don't have to sit down and strategize how to overcome all these obstacles in my life or how do I overcome, how do we reach Henderson? How do we reach? God says, I'm putting something in your hand that the enemy has no idea. What is this stick in your hand? Can you imagine the big, huge, giant Philistine mocking David? It says that he mocked him by his own, he cursed him by his own gods. He's like, come on, a stick? You see the sword that I'm carrying? There's something about this if we understand as believers that there is no political power. There's, I'm telling you, we've got to get that God's government is ushered through community, not commerce. I'm touching on another sacred cow here, but I'm telling you, saints, we've got to understand that it comes through a revelation, not some, not some religious or political power. God wants good laws. God wants, you know, his people to be in line with his authority. But a revolution begins in the heart. And this is part of that new sound that God says, I can use a little shepherd boy. I don't have to use someone that's in line for the throne. I don't have to use someone that in the way you think it should be. China, the church in China is exploding and their government is oppressive. And we're sitting here complaining about our government. Maybe we should be thankful and actually honor our leaders. Be thankful that we're free to preach the gospel. Be thankful that we're pre- free to gather like we are right now. Come on. The Bible says, honor all people and pray for those in authority and to be thankful because God wants to usher in a grassroots movement. He wants you to be changed from the inside and affect one heart at a time, a revolution. There's an old saying, the revolution will not be televised. Those of you in the 60s, you know what I'm talking about. Those of you that were around, you know, in that, in that movement, the grassroots movements that, that took place, I'm telling you, though the government of heaven is going to come through community, not commerce, not political power, not church power. It's going to come through yielded hearts. People that actually honor, like this moment in God's presence where we're saying, God, we're here and we're yielded to you. We love you. We're, it's something about this covenant we have with you. The third thing that God is, is wanting us to understand, He's wanting to put in our hands is, is the stones, the five stones. It's interesting. These things would fly at probably around 60 miles an hour. I mean, can you imagine something the size of a tennis ball, a rock, flying at 60 miles an hour? That's a lot denser. Have you ever been hit by a hardball, baseball players? Come on, some of you broken your face on the softball, let alone a hardball. My wife, it happened to her. I think she quit softball. I never went back after that. 
I remember the pitching machine trying out. I was young for Little League when I was a kid. And this thing was just off by like a degree. And it nailed me good. And I'm like, that hurt bad. These things were, were dense. They were, and they fly. They, were, they, they would go twice the distance of a bow and arrow. Twice the distance of what we think would be a greater weapon. But there's all these different representations of, of stones in the Bible. Uh, one of the first representations we see is the onyx stones on the shoulders of the priests. It had the name of all the sons of Israel on each side. It represents the, the 12, the number 12, government, God's government in the earth. And then we see that in the book of Revelation, it was that the onyx stone was the fifth stone that was a part of the foundation of the walls of New Jerusalem, the new city of God. We're, we're noted as living stones in the Bible, but what is this stone representing in the story? I was thinking about it, and, and I'm thinking about it in the general sense. What is the significance? But I, I always wondered, it says that David went to the river, and he went to the middle of the river, and he took out five stones. Five is the number of grace. Those of you that know that, it's, it, five is the number of grace. But I think there's a little bit more to it. I don't think that maybe they were just sitting there they didn't just happen to be in this river. I don't think that maybe the, the water is what smoothed them out. Some people think, well, maybe, you know, historians, some historians believe that he went to the river because they were very smooth and they would fly with accuracy. But I think there's more to it than that. I think there's much more to it than that. I actually believe that because this was a battlefield, that it was actually artillery from previous victories. I also think that David had in mind being... Being in love with the Father, he had in mind covenant. There's another place in Scripture where it says that, that God says, I want you to go take some stones out of the river. And it was in Joshua. It was in the book of Joshua when he said, I want you to set up a memorial. I want you to remember what I've done for you. And they're crossing over the Jordan where the ark, the presence of God led the way. That's a good word right there. Where the presence of God leads the way. And in the book of Joshua, it says that he said, I want you to take 12 stones, the number of government, 12, all the tribes of Israel, and set them up as a memorial. And it's to remember what I did when I delivered you from Egypt. He parted the Red Sea, and then he, he brings them across the Jordan to enter in the promised land. I believe David, when he went out to get these five stones, he may not have known that five was a number of grace and it's a type of grace, a type of New Testament, a type of Jesus. I mean, there's so many things that are just woven in, but I believe he was actually taking from a previous victory, an artillery that God provided from a previous victory, from a father, from a mother, from somebody else. And he also had covenant in mind. He wasn't just thinking, I'm going to get a nice sized stone because I want this to sink in the forehead of Goliath. But Goliath had, he had taunted the armies of Israel far too long. And there was a justice in David that rose up. And I bet he was thinking because he was a young Jewish boy. He knew about the story of Joshua crossing the Jordan. It was just as famous as the story of being delivered from Egypt in the parting of the Red Sea. It was just as known. And as he's reaching into the river, I believe that he was thinking, maybe I'm this Joshua. Maybe I'm the next Yeshua, this, this Savior, this one to bring in God's government. I've spent time with him and I feel his heart beating. I, feel, I know something is arising in the earth. Maybe he was reaching into the, the river thinking, oh, Joshua, he, you did it for Moses. You did it for Abraham. You did it for Joshua. You're going to do it for us today. 
Because you're faithful, God. And I'm not just getting a rock out of this thing, but this represents covenant. This represents a memorial. Let me tell you what a memorial is. It is a covenant remembered and realized today. We need to stop talking about what God has done, but build upon it and start doing the stuff. Saying, God, you did it, and there's something holy about this stone. This stone is not just a representation of, of you know, the government of God, but it's the faithfulness of God. It's God faith, it's his faithfulness. In in the book of Joshua, we read where they built a memorial, and it was to remember what God had done. Previous victories, the battlefield provisions from a former generation. Let me tell you something. There is a price paid from the finished work of Jesus. We have such opportunity. The weapons, I don't think we realize the weapons that are in our hand. Whether it's understanding what God has done through former revivals or understanding what he's done through fathers and mothers. But here, this is what I want to get to. There is a grace, there is a power that can only be received and increased from honoring fathers and mothers and having that, that sense of honor of a memorial of what God has done. If you look in the last hundred years, I love studying revivals. It also comes from honoring the parenting culture that God's ushering in the church. That you cannot, as a child of God, do exactly what God has called you to do without honoring your mothers and fathers. I'm telling you, God's teaching is bride honor. But when he picked these stones out of the river, it was not just, it was not just a representation of, of the government of God or the grace of God. It was a representation of memorial of the faithfulness of what God has done. There's, there's something happens when, you, when I begin to write. Sometimes I'll write and the Lord will inspire me. And sometimes I'll just write and then God will bring things to my remembrance. I want to encourage you, scribers, those of you that like to write, I want to encourage you to write and begin to write down the miracles that he did yesterday and the day before and the year before. I want you to write down the miracles that you've seen God do in your own life and the ones you believe that God is going to do because it's feeding on the faithfulness. Listen, the Bible says that the the, the spirit of prophecy, the testimony of Jesus, it says that it's released in the spirit of prophecy. There's power released in our testimony. And there's something about the testimony of, of David grabbing the stone out of the river. We know the rest of the story. I want, let me read it to you. In 1 Samuel 17, verse 48 through 51, let me just read a few verses. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David quickly ran towards the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone. He slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. You know, it's interesting to me that it did not take four stones or three or two. It was one. It was one stone. There's more than enough. God gives us more than enough to bring his victory in the earth. Verse 50, so David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. You know why there was no sword in the hand of David? Because then Saul wouldn't get the credit. Then the army wouldn't get the credit. But God would get all the credit. Do you know why that that the reformation and revolution in this nation is not going to take place when we elect some Christian? It's because we'll say, see, it was through the political power. See, they did it. They did it. No, there's no sword in the hand of David. Does God want believers in office? Oh, yeah, because... Because he wants his heart. He wants, he wants people to... He, he wants good laws. He wants that stuff. 
But the revolution that God is wanting to raise up is not through commerce or political office or religious power. It's through community. It's through a revolution. It will not be televised. God is raising up people without a sword. What did Jesus tell Peter? Peter, put down your sword. My kingdom does not come that way. This is always a real touchy subject because we've lived, because some of us are activists and and I'm an activist. Trust me, I'm an activist. We need to do away with abortion, the shedding of innocent blood, millions and millions and millions of innocent baby children aborted before they even breathe their first breath of life that God wanted to give them. They have destiny and purpose. It, It aches my heart. We need to do what is necessary And I believe God is raising up people to help accomplish that. But what we really need to do is change the heart. We really need to bring the covenant of heaven in the earth. We really need to to put down our sword and pick up the weapons that God has given us, the staff. We need to pick up the sling and the stone. We need to pick up the weapons to cause a love revolution from the heart. Where if a young mom gets pregnant, she knows it's no option. She, ha- she has to actually deal with the consequences of her choices. Even if there was rape involved, there's no option because guess what? God's going to use what the enemy meant for a curse and turn it into a blessing. There's much more to it because we could, we could change all the laws, but if the hearts are not changed, it's not a love revolution. It's just another Saul in office. It's not a David that puts down his sword. It says, I'm going to use the artillery of heaven. The church must learn this. We must learn this, people. Lift your hands and say, Lord, let David arise in me. Come on. Let the Spirit of God stir in you right now. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Come on. Stir the waters of my heart, God. I put down my sword, God. I put down the, the, the spear and the javelin, God. I put it down and I pick up the artillery of heaven. I pick up the staff of my authority and I lean into you, God. It's who I am. I might just look like a young little shepherd boy. I might not be the expected one to bring in your government, but God, I lean into you. I pick up the sling because I'm going to usher in a new sound and a new song and a new message, God. I'm going to usher in a new fragrance of your presence, a new fragrance of grace and love and power. And Lord, I pick up the stones that represent a memorial covenant of God of what you've done from former generations. And I will honor fathers and mothers. Listen, the old wineskin is not necessarily the wineskin of Saul. We learn from the old wineskins. We honor them. We learn how to make new wineskins from old wineskin makers. So we honor our mothers and fathers. But God, teach us about this new government, this type of Saul and David, that your church will arise in victory to advance your kingdom. And they won't be able to say, listen, Jesus said, they won't be able to say, look, there's the kingdom. Oh, no, look there. It's over here. No, look, it's here. They will say, it's in your midst. There is no, you cannot say or ascribe it, or you cannot say that it was because of the church alone, or it was because of political power alone, or it was because of this movement alone. But they will say, there it is in our midst. We just know it looks like love. It looks like something. It looks something like this, where hearts are changed and people, there's joy, there's honor, there's there's grace. And so, Lord, we just pray that you'd open our eyes to begin to look and say, there it is. There's the kingdom. 
and stop looking for all the exterior things and saying, oh, there, there it is, there it is. But no, it's in our midst, God. It's in our midst. We want to see it for what it really is, Lord. So we thank you for the David's arising. I just pray right now that you would stir in every heart. I just release the anointing. Lift your hands right now. I just want to seal this moment. Holy Spirit, breathe on the David's. Holy Spirit, breathe on the David's right now. Richard, would you come on the keyboard and just start playing some pad and piano and just, just start playing? Father, we just thank you. There's a new sound coming, Lord. We thank you for your breath right now, just breathing on the hearts. Some of your insides are saying, yes, God. Some of your hearts are saying, yes, God, yes, it's me, it's me. I'm, I know this is what you've called me to do, God. Your insides are coming alive. You're just hearing the voice of God. dismiss those that want to be dismissed for first service because we have a new one starting in another service starting in 15 minutes I want I want the Davids those of you if you have the time and you want to come burn up here I want to invite you to do so I want to pray over you would you just come quickly come on those of you that just just run don't even hesitate just run lift your hands and stir up an expectancy of a release of grace and power an anointing on your life. God's wanting to put a staff in your hand and a sling and a stone. He wants to give you a heart of a shepherd. Not a heart that wants to rule over a people, but a heart that wants to lift them up. I'm having more and more people come to me so I feel like God's called me to be a pastor. And I see what God's doing in the earth. They may, they may not be called to Pioneer Church, but they're called to pastor people. Because God's putting a staff in the hands of His people. And so would you just receive it right now? Let Him give you a heart like His. As you are one like David, a man after His own heart. You have a heart like God. Lord, I just pray you'd release release these things right now. Release the 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 weapons of heaven. They're not militant, but they're much more powerful. They're not militant in the way we think, in the way we've thought, in the way we've done in the past, but they are way more powerful. Let's just wait on it for a moment, saints. I just, if you want to be dismissed, you may be dismissed. We love you. Love some people before you go. If you want to stay and stretch your hands forward, pray for these. Maybe there's more. I want you to come. Just cry out right now. I want you to begin to cry out and say, God, let this thing burn in me, this generation. Raising up a generation yet to be created that will praise the Lord, the psalmist wrote about. Right now, God. God has been looking for David generation to arise. 
We've seen such an acceleration in the last few hundred years from the Reformation and beyond, such an acceleration of His church, of His bride. Ramato Learning from the mistakes of church history that, that it does not come through bloodshed. It does not come. The kingdom does not come through this. I'm telling you, there's something that the bride is awakening to His love. The bride does not need to be adorned with armor, but clothed in white with His glory. David could not put on the armor of Saul. He was clothed with the Spirit of God. Anointed. Anointed. Jesus anointed you. Well, there's just a release right now of anointing for your calling right now. Just there's, it's like a flow. I see the Lord just, he's pouring over like Samuel. He filled up the horn with oil and he just poured it over. He's just pouring. Some of you literally are feeling it just falling down over your head right now. Ushers come up here just in case they can't stand. Can we get some of our ushers just behind these? Yarabata. Sozo team, without laying hands on them, just pray behind them and just softly say, yeah, pour it over, Lord. Pour it over, Lord. Pour over us, Lord. Pour over us, Lord. Your oil of perfect peace, God. Fresh oil. Fresh oil. presence, Lord. There's no other place I'd rather be. Like David on the mountain looking over the sheep, playing his harp, just being with you, Lord. Let the Davids arise. Those that long
tabernacle among us. Glory, behold his glory. Would you tabernacle among us? To dwell among us? Rest upon us, God. Holy Spirit, you're increasing your glory. 